This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts from across the globe. And today I'm delighted to say we're talking to Ed Moyer in New York. Good afternoon from London, Ed. How are you doing? Uh, great to be back. I had a nice long vacation and uh, it's been uh, quite the volatile trading week. Yes, and you've returned to the eve of England's brilliant success, we hope, on Sunday in the European Football Championships. Soccer to you, of course. Uh, Italy are the opponents. And if I could, that's all I'd be talking about over the next uh, 20 minutes or so. But sadly, I think uh, you want to talk about other things. And to keep it balanced, we should acknowledge that uh, the Copa the Copa America Championship Brazil and Argentina. Also, that, that's going to be a fun game to watch, too. Why isn't the USA in that? Uh, they would, <laughs> they serious would probably question. be eliminated in the, <laughs> in the first round. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe 20, 30 years ago, but they could, uh, they could do pretty well now. OK, let's start with the treasuries. And, um, well, we've seen bond yields plummet, haven't we? Because I suppose it's down to COVID anxiety gripping the market. It's a combination of factors, but yes, that's the 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 concerns about the spread of the Delta COVID variant is really uh, hitting some countries pretty hard. Um, and when you take a look at some of the, the the stock market reactions we've seen, the, the Hang Seng, the Nikkei two two five um, falling ten percent, so correction territory, and and this is really, I think, uh, something that has. Uh, also been accompanied with some softer economic data. China, uh, at the start of the month, they've uh, had some uh, slowdown in, in their PMI readings, and and I think what we've saw, you know, as a reaction, uh, you know, China they uh, um, telegraphed and quickly, uh, you know, announced this morning uh, they provided a triple R cut to provide more support to, to small businesses as they're going to ease the lending restrictions for banks. So so I think this is. You know, this has quickly become a market that, you know, was on sound footing. And now everyone is, is kind of scratching their heads and saying, like, well, how, how good is, is, is 2021 actually going to be? And uh, in the U.S., uh, expectations were that we would see 8 to 10% economic growth in the U.S. And now that's down to about 6% in just a matter of weeks. So, so there's this nervousness that you're not going to have a very strong, uh, um, you know, second half. And, and uh, with that, you know, the bond yields sank faster than anyone anticipated. And, and today we're, we're, we're starting to see a little bit of that trade um, come undone. But I, but I think you're, you're really, um, uh, I think, you know, have to acknowledge that, you know, the 10-year yield breached uh, one and a quarter. That is, that, you know, stunned many market participants. It's back towards 135 five now. Uh, and, and you're probably going to see that uh, investors lost some confidence in their your, their forecasts that, you know, this recovery um, was going to, you know, test the Fed's, you know, ability to con control inflation. But I think right now, you're still going to see the Fed likely taper um, at some point uh, in, in the next few months and, and that or announce tapering in a few months to, to, to actually do it in uh, 2022. And, and, and that should still I think, support, uh, you know, the reflation trade eventually. But right now, you know, that's not what we're seeing. 
It's interesting how so many markets are spooked by the rising COVID numbers because of the Delta variant. But over here in the UK, we're flying in the face of that. We've decided to relax almost all restrictions in just over a week's time. We're allowing tens of thousands of people into our sports stadia. And it would seem that in the UK we are going for a kind of herd immunity now that the vast majority of the adult population, of course those particularly who are at risk, have been vaccinated. And I suppose the problem for the UK is, yes, internally uh, things uh, might grow economically because uh, we've decided to relax everything, but while the cases go up and up and up, we won't be able to travel abroad and uh, the global economy will still suffer. No, very much so. And, and I think um, certain key economies that uh, I think a lot of people thought were on the other side of COVID. And I think, you know, the when you take a look at the Olympics, uh, uh, you know, the decision for for Japan to uh, not allow uh, fans in the, in the stadiums really... Um, I think triggered a this an, another wave of concern because everything that they've done leading up to the Olympics was to support you know uh, fans in the audience and and now I, I think you're you're seeing uh, um, you know Africa had its uh, worst um, week of of COVID um, you're, you're having Thailand have you know announced stricter measures so I think uh, you know the you know the whole uh, parts of uh, large parts of Asia are, are really struggling. South Korea is raising their curbs on social distancing. So, so there's just this continued trend of just you know bad news. And and I think that uh, you know you know the U.S. and the U.K. are both lucky to have you know you know a tremendous amount of vaccinations already in people's arms. And it, it turns out with this new variant, um, you you need to be fully vaccinated to be effective against it. So I think there's this this uh, uh, strategy that some countries were um, um, really just focusing on getting the first jab in. And now it just seems like you really need to have, um, you know, your, your population fully vaccinated. And, and it's going to take time for those for those countries to to get it up to speed. And and that's why I think you're you're, you're seeing, uh, you know, still overall, you know, you know, the U.S. and the U.K. are still looking like they're, they're going to have a strong second half of the year but international travel is is going to take a big hit and you're probably going to see um just a um a little bit more of a cautious approach i think for the you know the, the next couple of months the sad thing is taking japan as an example the japanese administration just dilly-dallied for such a long time about the vaccination program and that's why uh, the uk and the usa are so far ahead of everybody else because they went for broke. They bet on the bank, and the bank being the vaccination bank, and that is that has paid dividends. But very, very sadly, when you look at the Olympic Games, I mean, what is an Olympic Games without a crowd? And the, the effect that will obviously have on the Japanese uh, economy, the Japanese psyche, uh, and uh, affect, obviously, tourism numbers, but not just that, how they see themselves. But uh, we wish them well, and hopefully that the Olympic Games will be will have some impact. I want to move on to the ECB, uh, the European Central Bank, Ed. And uh, on Thursday, it set a new inflation target after, I think it was an 18-month strategy review, certainly hoping to bolster its credibility after undershooting its current objective for nearly a decade. Very much so. I, th I think this review, uh, this should have been over... 
uh, last year, but because of COVID, obviously uh, things got pushed back. Um, and, and I think you know this was one of the first things that uh, President Lagarde, uh, you know, initiated. And I think what we we saw was the ECB didn't follow the Fed on inflation. I, I think there is. Um, you know, a lot of what was announced was, you know, nicely telegraphed. I think, you know, they, they gave up their current inflation target of below but close to 2%. And uh, they're going to have a simple target of 2%, which uh, um, I think a lot of people anticipated. But what was, you know, lacking in detail was just exactly, well, how much will they allow to overshoot that target? And and, and uh, I think, you know, there's a few takeaways from this uh uh, strategy review and and some of that includes that uh, um, you know there, there is flexibility um, with this with this new approach and I think that you're going to see that um, they're going to be able to target inflation over a medium term and uh, it it's it's probably I think going to uh, um, allow the the bank to to have a little bit more leniency as far as if they do overshoot on inflation by a little bit. Um, but re remember, um, you know, inflation in the U.S. versus uh, the eurozone is entirely different, and uh, you know we're seeing it more relevant here. So I think, I think overall, though the the you know the decision and the it was unanimous, and I, I think it really didn't move the euro. Uh, I think the euro was being um, uh, you know the, the moves were dictated based off of the move in the treasury markets, um, but it, it does provide the ECB with now. Um, a much more uh, a strategy that's kind of in line with some of the other central banks. And I, I think it's just overall is viewed as, you know, a, a, a neutral event that um, will, will, I think, allow the ECB to, um, to continue to um, address and set policy in a more straightforward manner. So you think a period of undershooting 2% inflation will be used as justification for an expansionary monetary policy? overall yeah and 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 i think i think what we we you also have to uh you know um one of the, the the key things that they're also taking on which probably is is uh a little bit more controversial is you know the uh the incorporation of climate change into a monetary policy so i think you're you're going to see that uh um you know the the in inflation um it, it has been very difficult to get that uh, in the in the eurozone and, and I think uh, you, you know, expansionary policy is likely to remain in the case and and I think when you take a look at the climate change initiatives that's just going to cement that even more so I think uh, uh, you're you're going to see that uh, you know this policy is is it's going to take some time to get used to and I think um, the the you know the tackling global warming is is something that will draw lots of scrutiny, but uh, but in the end, I think that uh, there is still strong support behind that movement, and uh, hopefully, it does not um, cause too much divide in, in the central bank. Let's talk about the oil price, Ed, and surged, which has surged to its highest levels since 2014. And you mentioned inflation that has fueled even more fears of a surge in rising prices uh, and possibly piling more pressure on central banks to raise rates. Um, I haven't looked in the last few minutes, but Brent crude getting closer to that $80 a barrel number. And that was after a, a big meeting of OPEC plus, which ended in acrimony, didn't it? 
Yeah, very much so. And and I think right now what we're starting to see is that, you know, nor normally OPEC and, and uh, the UAE are, are in line. They're, they're friends. Uh, they most of the time agree upon uh, most topics. But uh, this is this is something that uh, we're, we're probably starting to see the beginnings of the unraveling of OPEC plus, um, you know, this coordinated effort uh is is will likely uh you know start to fall apart i think first you'll see compliance numbers deteriorate and uh i think a lot of that is because right now um prices are high you know everyone is happy with where you know prices are um they're still like over ten dollars above where people are anticipating uh brent to trade in the next couple of years so so i think that this is the time to get market share and uh in in the end uh you don't you know the the whole reason we had opec plus formed was because you know u.s shale took market share from opec well now you 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 don't want to to be on the wrong side of 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 you know getting your fair piece of the pie here and, and right now i think you're going to see that uh it's the uae now but you know every you know they're going to re re return to discussing output again for august and uh you're probably going to see that there is there's going to be i think um more dissent and and uh people you know clamoring to get more more fair more of their fair share and and until uh you know this agreement completely falls apart i think that uh you're going to see the saudis try to leave lead the you know this effort to, to to last a little bit longer but right now i think there's uh there's this uh, complacency that, you know, because we're seeing the U.S. be under a Biden administration, U.S. output is growing. Uh, you know, I think this the, the weekly EIA report showed it grew another 200,000 barrels a day. Um, but we're not going to see anything close to the numbers we had under the, the Trump administration. And uh, I think that there's still, um, despite, you know, the the lack of international travel. I mean, business travel is picking up in the U.S., but I mean, we need international travel to pick up, and that's not going to happen because of the uh, COVID uh, Delta variant concerns. And, and right now, I think you're going to see that uh, while there is, uh, you know, higher prices, uh, you know, in the U.S., we had uh, the record high in gasoline demand. Um, I, I, my family, we contributed to that <laughs> that number during our vacation period, as it, that was in the window. Uh, and, and I think that you're going to see that this um, summer driving season is, is going to be a little bit more, I think, uh, showing more increased demand uh, than people anticipated. But uh, that's not going to be able to, to overcome the shortfalls of, of the lack of international uh, travel. Uh, jet fuel demand is, is still, um, you know, progressing, but um, it, it, we're, we're not bouncing back, I think, as aggressively as people had initially hoped. And, and uh, you're, you're probably going to see... Uh, this market is still going to remain on edge because no one knows exactly uh, when we're going to get a final outcome with the uh, Iran and U.S. Uh, uh, talks for reviving the, the nuclear deal. So until that is um, etched in stone, and that might still take a couple more weeks, um, you're going to see a, a big question mark over um, the actual supply side for um, um, OPEC Plus. And then until that's really known, um, I think you're probably going to see uh, oil continue to, to hover around these levels. Okay, Ed, uh, let's, before we let you go, preview the next week or so. What are the highlights we should look out for in the next seven days? 
Next week's a very busy week, and I, and I think uh, it all starts off with that soccer game you mentioned on Sunday. But but uh, shortly after that, uh, we'll, we'll hear from ECB's Lagarde and uh, Fed Vice Chair um, Quarles um, at the Venice International Conference on Climate. Um, but then, you know, quickly, uh, Monday, uh, Prime Minister Johnson's expected to confirm a final decision ending most restrictions in England for July 19th. Um, if that goes as planned, uh, that should be positive just for uh, sentiment. Uh, I think uh, Tuesday is a big day. Uh, Tuesday, we have the kickoff of earnings season. Um, JP Morgan, Goldman Sachs report before the bell. Uh, everyone is going to pay close attention to what the banks say uh, with respect to the health of the U.S. consumer. Uh, that is going to be closely watched. Also on Tuesday morning, we get that June CPI report for the U.S. Um, inflation um, is supposed to uh, tick lower on both the monthly and annual basis. Um, we, we saw it surge last month, and uh, if if we see uh, an upside surprise, that could get the Treasury yield market jumping higher. Um, but um, uh, if 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 there is you know that further support that inflation is transitory and we see a slightly softer print uh that's just going to i think uh you know continue to uh to, to support that uh um, healthy view of uh you know this the fed is in, in no urgency to taper or to raise interest rates and and that should be good for risky assets so tuesday uh, a huge day with uh uh, the banks and uh, CPI. And then um, also later that night uh, or early morning, depending if you're in Asia, uh, we'll get Chinese trade data. That's going to be uh, closely watched. Uh, imports and exports are supposed to slow uh, dramatically. Um, they, you know, the base effects are really clouding some of these uh, data releases, but uh, from a month-on-month -month basis, um, we should see that come back down. And then on Wednesday is, uh, is a very busy central bank rate decision day. Uh, Bank of Canada could deliver another round of tapering of their bond purchases. Uh, Turkey's central bank is expected to keep rates steady against the liking of President Erdogan. Erdogan wants to see a rate cut either in July or August, so it doesn't look like he's going to get it in July, so we'll closely uh, follow that one. And uh, the New Zealand uh, central bank will also um, have a rate decision they're supposed to uh, keep rates steady, but they could show a willingness to uh, tighten uh, near the year end. So that that's going to be close to watch. Um, and then there's a wrath of CPI data, the UK, Sweden, and Russia, um, also important. And, and I think, uh, you know, the the uh, Thursday is, is also uh, another, probably the second busiest day. You have uh, Fed Chair Powell delivering his semi-annual monetary policy report to Congress. Powell's going to be able to, you know, give a, his latest assessment on the economy, and this is following that inflation data. So a lot of people are going to f closely watch that. Um, and then also, too, we have to remember, uh, growth concerns have really accelerated uh, since the last time we heard from Powell. So this is going to be a, a must-watch event. Um, and, and, and then later on on Thursday, you, you also you'll see a lot of people pay close attention to some key data releases. Um, you have uh, jobless claims for the U.S. Empire Manufacturing. Uh, China's GDP is supposed to uh, um, um, s improve slightly on a quarterly basis, uh, but uh, you know, I think a little bit of a slowdown on the year-on-year -year reading to eight percent, which is still uh, not too shabby. And then in the U.K., you have uh, jobless claims and uh, the unemployment rate. So, very busy 
busy Thursday. And then uh, Friday, uh, it is uh, all about June retail sales in the U.S. We're supposed to see another set of weak um, readings. Um, you know, the stimulus impact is is uh, leaving. Uh, it's it's not no longer really uh, supporting uh, the the consumer, and uh, we're supposed to see uh, just another weak reading there. And uh, lastly, the Bank of Japan will also um, have a rate decision. No changes expected there, but they could downgrade their growth forecasts. Well, it's an incredibly busy weekend. I look forward to speaking to you next Friday and uh, looking back. I, I definitely do. And it'll be tough to pick a, only a handful of uh, key ones to focus on. But uh, but I think it'll be probably um, um, Fetch Your Pal, uh, Chinese uh, GDP. And then, um, uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll get a surprise in there somewhere. But I'm thinking earnings season will, will probably be the key one. England winning the Euros is going to be the big story. And uh, <laughs> joking aside, that would provide uh, a bit of a, an economic flip uh, to the country uh, and retail will do particularly well, at least for a few days. But uh, hopefully we'll have some good news to talk about when we speak again next time around. Thanks very much, Ed. Have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. The Oanda Podcast.